Are we having fun yet? Good. I hope so. We can have fun as Christians, honestly. We really can. And, uh, you know, because I don't think that heaven is going to be boring. I don't think we're going to be sitting around with a look like, you know, we just sucked on a persimmon. (laughs) You know, we're just sad. And, you know, but um, we're good. We're all good. Lord, we thank you for this gathering. We're here to hear from you. And Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts now through your word. That you would give us a glimpse, uh, not so that we become knowledgeable in all things, but Lord, so that we can be prepared for whatever you have for us tomorrow, the next day, a month from now, five years, whatever it is, Lord, that you would prepare us through the messages that we're reading in this book. Not only for heaven, Lord, but uh, I pray that you would prepare us to go out and share the good news with others so that they too can experience your grace and your mercy and they can spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us this opportunity to hear from you again today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 6 today. John has been telling us what's going on in the throne room of heaven. He gave us a description of the things that he's seeing. I'm wondering, those creatures that are on with the four faces and the wings and, and all of that, I'm wondering what they really look like. We're going to get up there and say, oh, I saw that in that Marvel movie. <laughs> um, I don't know, but whatever he was seeing, he was trying to relate to us so that we can get an idea of just how different heaven is. A crystal sea in front of the throne. God himself is reflecting light. It's just light emanating from the throne, bouncing off that crystal sea. And we're not going to need sunglasses. You know, here when you have bright light, you want to put on some sunglasses. You want to, you know, close the blinds a little bit. There... You want to take it in. I want to be in front of that light. I want a God tan. <laughs> I, I just, I want, I want to get all of it. I want all of it. And so the 24 elders are around the throne. And they're worshiping. And all of those people there in his presence are worshiping the Father. God is sitting on the throne. He pulls out a scroll and no one is worthy to open the scroll. And everyone was sad until the Lamb 
and the presence of God was able to go and take the scroll because he was the only one found worthy to open that scroll. And so what an awesome thing that we are going to get to witness. You see, you have to remember what we're reading. We're not reading something that took place in the past. We're reading about something that will take place in the future. How do I know we will be there? Because the rapture took place in chapter 4, verse 1. When John was called to the throne room with a trumpet sound, come up here, and then he entered into the presence of God. That was the picture of the rapture of the church where we will be raptured and right before. So all of us are going to be there. And all of those who have gone before, remember that when the rapture happens, those that were in the graves, saints that were in the graves, they're going to, they're going first. They got a head start on us. And they're going to, well, you know, their, their spirit has been with the Lord for some for thousands of years. And they're going to be there. And then we get to follow up. But it all happens in the blink of an eye. And there we are in his presence. And so now we know that we are part of this congregation of believers standing before the throne, worshiping together. All of these things are our future. We're the ones that are going to be there doing all the... Learn the songs. We get the lyrics here. Learn them, and we can be prepared. So here's the problem. When that happens... There are going to be a lot of empty churches, but that's not the problem. The problem is there's going to be a lot of full churches too. There are going to be a lot of churches that it doesn't matter whether or not they believe in the rapture. It matters whether they believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And many churches don't teach that you have to have a relationship with Jesus to get into heaven to spend eternity with God the Father. A lot of churches teach that this is as good as it gets. Unless you elect the right president and then it gets better. At least for four years, right? But that's ridiculous. I, I wouldn't be very hopeful based on what's going on here on the earth. I'm, I'm always looking forward to what we got coming ahead. There are going to be excuses of why these people disappeared. Can you imagine that you, you know, you're in the, working in the hospital and you know, you're working in the morgue and all of a sudden that body was there a minute ago. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, you know, it's just going to be like, and, and that's reality. That, that uh, you know, people are going to be gone. And 
you know, God is going to take care of all the details. I don't know how he does it. What happened to the person that was eaten by a fish, you know, and, and or, or, or that surfer girl that lost her arm, um, you know, while she was surfing and the shark took Is she going to get her arm back? Yes! God knows. I, I just find that amazing, you know. And here's the good part. We don't have to go there this age. Now, I know you're thinking, man, I'd, I'd be okay with 64 like you, Pastor. But, um, you know, uh, we're all going to be a lot better off when we get there. Um, you know, I don't know what age we're going to be. It's funny because um, John talks about the elders around the throne. Uh, what are, they're all going to be old guys, you know, and long hair and beard. Oh, I've been here for a thousand years sitting on this throne. It's not going to be like that. We are going to be in the best shape we've ever been forever. There will be no more pain, no more sickness, no more osteoporosis, no more asthma, no more allergies. It's going to be amazing. And so... There's going to be many explanations of what happened to the people. Oh, God took them because they were mocking him. They were making, you know, stories up about him. And so God just took them out of the way. And, uh, you know, so now we have a better world without them. Hey, that's going to be, I'm sure that's one of the stories. You know, another one will be aliens took them, you know, and, I really don't care what the stories are, but the fact is is that people will believe the lie rather than believing the truth. That's a shame. That's sad. We discuss things like the rapture and eternity, and we just believe. And if you don't believe in the rapture, it's okay. You'll just be caught by surprise. As long as you believe in Jesus, it doesn't matter what you believe eschatology eschatologically you know I, I just like to say that word because it makes it sound like I, I have a large vocabulary so eschatologically wise you um, doesn't matter what you believe if you believe in the rapture or not the thing is is that we need to have a relationship with Jesus and I think that's um, the most important thing that I can teach today as uh, I teach this message. So those living on the earth, they're, um, they're going to continue being deceived and listening to lies. Do you realize that we are getting an example of how deluded people are today? When they think it's okay to have biological men playing women's sports, when they think it's okay to having transsexuals teaching children and changing children's gender at seven years old, when they think it's okay and they pass laws to support this type of stuff, um, when we see that, we're thinking they're out of their minds. 
They don't think that. The world isn't thinking that. The world is supporting it, promoting it, voting on it, passing bills. And the only way they can do that is if people agree with them. That's the lie. That's the deception that the enemy has. He's not even hiding anymore, is he? He's just out there and people are okay with it. That tells you how people are going to believe in a lie rather than believing the truth of what happened to those people that were taken in the rapture because they can believe what they're being told right now. They can believe all of this garbage that's being pushed. They're supporting it. I, I don't understand. The earth is going to be in chaos because the rapture took place. These people are missing. And then Jesus takes the scroll and starts to open the seals. The message today is titled, Send the Horses. We continue our study through the book of Revelation with chapter 6 in verse 1. Where we read, Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four creatures, living creatures, saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. So here's Jesus opening the seal, and this voice, come and see. So John can now look and see, not just John, but all of us, come and see what's going on over here. Many equate this rider on the white horse to be Jesus. They believe it's Jesus with the crown and with the bow riding out. Whoa, Nellie. It's, that's my horse joke. It's, it's not Jesus that's getting on the white horse. You've been watching too many Westerns. It's not Jesus because Jesus doesn't come with a bow. Uh, Jesus comes with the sword. And he doesn't need to be given a crown. He already has the crown. He wears the crown always. And so what we're seeing is the Antichrist getting on the horse and being allowed to come down. So how do I know that the rapture has taken place? Where people say, I, I don't think, I think it's mid-trib. I think that there's, it's post-trib or whatever the case may be. How do I believe that? Because the Antichrist can't be set free to go to the earth until the Holy Spirit has been taken out, until the children of God have been removed from the earth. That's the only way that the Antichrist will be set free. And so 
people get confused about that, thinking, oh, well, um, you know, the Antichrist can still come. We, we can still be here. We're just going to have to be persecuted for a period of time. Well, you guys know I don't believe that. Um, there's um, nothing further from the truth as far as the Bible teaches that we're not going to be here to endure the persecution. God didn't ordain us to the wrath. As a matter of fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, we read, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it had come from us as though the day of Christ had come. And so here's Paul writing to the Thessalonians, telling them, don't worry about people were telling them, oh, you missed it. You missed the coming of the Lord. And he's saying, no, look, he's going to come. He is going to gather us together, but it hasn't come yet. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. The falling away comes first. There's two ways to look at that. The falling away of the church in that the people that are in the church start to believe other things. And there's an apostasy, a falling away from the truth. Not from the church, from the truth. It doesn't matter whether you fall away from a church. It matters whether or not you fall away from Jesus. And the only way you fall away from Jesus, it, you don't fall away. You know, I, once in a while I'll trip, I'll stumble, I'll, I'll fall uh, and I can get back up again and continue on my way. But with Jesus, you can't trip and stumble and fall out of his grace. No one can take us from the palm of his hand. And so when you fall away from Jesus, it's walking away from him. And in my heart, I believe that you never really were with him in the first place. I believe that someone that can find it so easy to walk away from Jesus didn't understand the grace and mercy that he gives to us. Because once you experience the grace, the mercy, the forgiveness, the love of God, there's no way in the world you can walk away. You can't. Because it's there just constantly drawing you in. I know. When I first got saved, I was perfect. <laughs> and, um, and that lasted a few weeks. And, and when I started going up against trials and, and struggles in my life, I just was like, well, this isn't for me. And it was because I was in a legalistic church that made me feel like, you know, that I needed to get saved every week to continue being saved. And uh, I started 
walking on my own, going back to my old ways. And I could not do it because regardless of the church that I was in, I had a true conversion to Jesus Christ. I truly believed that he forgave me and I accepted his Holy Spirit into my life. I accepted him as my savior. And so I truly believe that. So regardless of the church I was going to, even if they were telling me lies and they were teaching me falsehood, it didn't matter because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. You can't walk that way. You can't do that because you're outside of the will of God. Now, I wasn't being punished for it, except for the fact that I knew I wasn't doing what was right. And you guys know what that's like. You guys know what the conviction of the Holy Spirit is like. When, you know, you say something to someone and you know it wasn't right, I shouldn't have said that, and you just have that burning inside of you to say, you know, boy, I wish they would forget that. And then you have to go and ask for forgiveness to set it right. I know, I've been there many times. And I know that God continues to use those moments in my life to draw me closer to him. To teach me, you know, how to walk with him and trust him through all these things. And so here we see there's going to be a deception. And the falling away is going to happen. And then the man of sin is revealed, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. We're talking about the abomination of desolation. You've heard me talk about this before. I Don't talk about it because I want you to be prepared for it. We're not going to be here. The abomination of desolation is for those who are going to be on the earth at the time the Antichrist erects a statue in the temple of himself claiming to be God. That's halfway through the tribulation period. Do you not remember that I was still with you? I told you these things. So Paul had taught them these things. You know who didn't teach them these things? John Darby. See, John Darby lived in the 1700s, and people say the rapture was something that he made up, that John Darby made up in the 1700s. Darby didn't make it up. He recognized it. He read Paul's letters and said, oh, there's going to be a rapture. And so he was the one that really started promoting it in the 1700s. We are hundreds of years later, hundreds of years closer to this event taking place. And now, for those who know their word, we trust that it's actually going to happen. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he, if you have a new King James, you'll see that's a capital he. 
he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And so the Holy Spirit is restraining the Antichrist until the Holy Spirit is taken out of the way. And then the Antichrist will be free and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Woohoo! That's coming, but we're going to be out of here by then. You see, he's going to come with the crown, meaning that he's going to have authority. He's going to come with a bow. But he's not going to be using the bow to enter into battle. A bow is a long-distance weapon. It's used to launch long-distance war. Well, he's not going to be coming to start a battle directly with someone. He's going to start riling things up. But he wants to present himself as a peacemaker. And so that's why he's coming on a white horse. He's coming as a peacemaker. And he's coming uh, to establish his uh, authority and he's going to be given it see he's going to be given the crown and he went out to conquer and to conquer and so that's the antichrist that's going to be doing these things Daniel chapter 9 presents the 70 week prophecy uh, that we'll be getting into later on uh, through our study. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, we read, Then he shall confirm a covenant for one week, meaning a year. A week is seven uh, days, but this is talking about a week of years. So when they say one week, it's saying one seven-day, uh, seven period of seven whatever it is whether it's years or decades but he's talking about years here one week is the seven year tribulation period but in the middle of the week three and a half years in he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering and on the wing of abomination shall be make one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. And so that's who he is. He's the prince that's going to establish himself as the, the king of the earth, the authority on the earth, and people will fall for it. You know, the Jews are waiting for the Messiah right now. After all these years, they're still waiting for the Messiah. And what is the indication that the person that comes is the Messiah? It's the one that allows them to rebuild their temple. And that's how they know that it's the Messiah. And so when he comes and allows them to sign the decree, it says that he confirms a covenant with many for one week, makes a seven-year deal to let them rebuild their temple and brings peace, supposedly, to the area that's going to be the Antichrist. We're not going to be here to tell people, oh, it's the Antichrist. Look, it's right here. We're not going to be here. So we have to tell people now. But that's not our message. 
I, re- I really want you to understand our message is that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago to save us from our sin. That's the message. It's the love of God that leads us to repentance. It's the love of God that draws people in so that they can be forgiven. The message shouldn't be, you're going to hell. It's the truth, but it's not the right message. The message is, God loves you so much that he sent his son down here to die for you personally. And if you were the only one, he still would have sent him. And that's the message for all of us. That's the message for our neighbors. Even the neighbors we don't like, it's the message for them too. Daniel said in 1131 of his letter, And the forces shall be mustered by him, speaking of the Antichrist, and they shall defile the sanctuary fortress, and they shall take away the daily sacrifices and the place there and place there the abomination of desolation. And so here the Antichrist takes the statue, puts it in the temple, and declares himself to be God. He's going to have a military force that he's going to be set up with. That's what the bow is. He's going to be given a force to be set up there. And then in chapter 12, verse 11 of Daniel, it says, from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be 1,290 days, three and a half years. And so... Why do we even care? Well, this is good news for us because now we have a date. We have a date of how many days will be from the time that the statue is set up in the temple. Why do we care if there's a date? Because when people say, well, the rapture is going to happen at the end of the tribulation period, you could say, eh. No, it isn't. It's impossible for the rapture to be at the end of the tribulation because it says it's 1,290 days from the setting up of the statue in the temple. Well, that means we know exactly the day when Jesus is going to return to the earth. It's 1,290 days from that day. And no man knows the day or the hour. And this was written 2,000 years ago. No, it's written a lot longer than that. Daniel actually was the one that wrote it. So almost 3,000 years ago, we knew the day that Jesus is going to return. We, we don't have it on the calendar because we don't have the abomination of desolation. Do you know there was another abomination of desolation? that took place in 167 AD when Antiochus Epiphanes did the same thing. He set up a statue in the temple and then slaughtered a pig in the temple and that was called the abomination of desolation. So people that are familiar with that said, oh, that's what Revelation is talking about. That's what Daniel is talking about. 
Except one problem. Jesus was the one that spoke about when you see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place. Get out of here. Run. Flee. Well, if he's saying you're seeing that, he's not talking to people 167 years earlier or 200 years earlier. He's talking about people in the future. And when you see these things, now you know what's going to happen next. And so Jesus was the one who told them, be prepared because this is what's happening in the future. But that means that revelation couldn't have happened in the past. It couldn't have happened in 70 AD or 63 AD or whenever the amillennialists believe that it took place. It's impossible. Because Jesus, who never gets it wrong, confirmed that it will be in the future. Amen? So, getting back on track, we're, uh, we're seeing that this is the Antichrist being sent out. He's on a white horse. And he's not the Savior. He's the anti-Savior. He's, he's there to kill and uh, that's what he's going to end up doing. When he opened the second seal, I heard a second living creature saying, come and see. And another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So here we see another picture. Now, Who is this person sitting on this horse? The Antichrist. You see, the four horsemen of the apocalypse are the same person. And there are not actually horses that are being released. This is events that are taking place. It's pictured as a horse, but these are events that are taking place. The Antichrist being set free. Then, at a certain point, the Antichrist then is given a sword so that he can go and start to take peace from the earth. It almost feels like that started. There are some people that believe that we're actually in the sealed judgments right now and that these things are taking place right before our very eyes. My personal opinion is that's not accurate because we're still here. We're not going to be here for that because chapter 4 becomes before chapter 6. So if... We're gone in chapter 4. We're not going to be here for chapter 6 to see these things taking place. Even though it's chronological and we're seeing that, I'm not setting this in stone, but that's what the Word of God says, so I'm setting that in stone. I trust exactly what God is telling us through this picture in that throne room. Many of the things we'll hear in the future in uh, the upcoming chapters are going to be a little different. There's going to be some changes uh, and you're going to hear things bouncing from one uh, one view to another. Those may not be chronological so much. This is exactly chronological. Everything we're reading here takes place chronologically. 
And so this fiery red horse went out to take peace from the earth. And uh, we're seeing that happen. It's a preparation for what is going to be coming. Well, Paul was referring to the end times in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he wrote, But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. You know how labor pains come up? Well, guys, I know you don't. But um, women, if you've had children, you know how labor pains come. They don't just, it's not like you wake up one morning, oh, I must be pregnant, I'm having labor pains. You've been working up to that day. It, It was a slow process. There was a lot of preparation. We are in the first trimester or the second trimester. We're working our way to the birth. Through the labor pains that are going on, we're working our way to that point. But you, brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you. We are prepared because we have the word of God and we believe it. Believers, people that are prepared, don't have to fear what's going to happen because we know what's going to happen. We expect what's going to happen. And we can trust that everything that Jesus told us about his coming is true. And he will come. He's preparing a place for us. And he will come and take us. You know, that's John 14. He said he's coming to take us. He didn't say, I'm coming to establish my kingdom. He said, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to bring you there. That's the rapture. Jesus talked about the rapture too. And so we can be sure that the things that we have been told by Jesus and by the other authors of the New Testament, even the Old Testament, even Daniel, we can be sure that what they told us is true and it will come to pass. So the white horse is released and now the red horse and peace and safety, that's not really happening. Peace and safety isn't coming. Uh, But we're told that we are not in darkness. And so that we shouldn't be surprised by these things. So after the rapture, people are going to be very surprised by the things that are going on. Verse 5, And when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A court of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. And so what we're talking about here is famine. Famine is coming. Well, if the red horse brought war, 
then the black horse is bringing famine because that's normally what happens when you have war. If you look at the wars that are going on right now in the world, there is a famine going on because those people, their lives have been upended. They don't have their land. They don't have a place to stay. They have to flee uh, to, as refugees. And then they have to rely on someone else to provide for them. And this is going on. Ukraine is a, a, an example in that Ukraine is one of the most fertile places in the world. They produce lots and lots of food. They produce a massive amount of fertilizer, and that fertilizer is necessary for the growth of food throughout the world. But that's cut off because of the war. Now, because of certain agreements and everything, they have been allowed to sell that, so we don't see the level of of, um, starvation and famine, but it's going to be coming especially when the Antichrist has the freedom to do what he's going to do. And so a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius. Well, a denarius is a day's wage, and a quart of wheat or three quarts of barley is not enough to feed a family. It's enough to feed one person. And barley is actually animal feed. And that's not what we want to be eating, right? Or people want to be eating. We're, we're going to be eating real well. Unfortunately, they are not. These people that are going through the famine, they're going to be dying. There's going to be many of them dying. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come and see. And so I looked and behold, a pale horse And the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. So you can see that we're talking about the Antichrist still. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. And so Death and Hades, this is the Antichrist. The red horse, by the way, the, the term red is used two times in the Bible. Once it's used to talking about this horse, the second horse sent out that was red, and, um, or the third horse, the second horse. And he went out and he was red, but the only other time in, in Revelation that the word red is used is directly related to Satan. The, the, the one that is released and Satan is the other red creature. So we see that Satan and the Antichrist are sharing the same characteristic, that uh, they're red. So here we see that a pale horse and death and Hades, and we know they're all related to Satan, uh, followed with him. And he was given a fourth of the earth is going to be killed. Now, we're going to see later on that another third of the earth is going to be killed after this fourth is killed. Almost half of mankind will be killed during the seven-year 
tribulation period. It's something we can't even fathom. But during this time when a quarter of the earth is killed, they're going to be killed with the sword. So battles, wars, um, with hunger, from the famine because of the wars, and with death. Death is going to kill people? Well, yes, but what does that mean? Well, if a quarter of the world has died, they can't get the bodies into the ground quick enough before they start decomposing and start giving diseases off. And disease will be rampant because death has now caused death. And it's just going to multiply. It's got, anyone want to go to lunch? I'm sorry, but I'm giving you a picture of what really is going to take place. I know this is kind of disturbing, but this is reality. And by the beasts of the earth, the beasts of the earth are going to be killing people, especially weak people that can't put up a fight. And that's going to be a large number of people because there's no food. They're not healthy. Disease is going to be spread all over the world, kind of like COVID. There are many diseases. I, I, I don't know if you... Measles is on an outbreak now. There are you know, places that are having outbreaks of measles. And syphilitis is being you know, breaking out in new places. And it's happening all over the world right now, all of these different diseases that are being spread. We're focused on COVID that takes our eyes off the reality of what else is going on. Whenever we focus on one thing, it kind of keeps us, you know, from seeing the big picture. And that's what we're seeing right now in the world. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I actually believe that the enemy is doing all of this. I, I, you know, I don't believe it's just bad people that have bad names and, you know, I believe the enemy is making them do the things that they're doing. They're just following the direction of their father, Satan. And not that they're Satan worshipers, they just don't believe in God and so they're doing what they think is right. Many of them. It's pretty sad, isn't it? Jesus warned in Matthew twenty four twenty one, for there will be a great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time nor shall ever be. And even though millions of people lost their lives during all the wars over the centuries, it's not going to be anything compared to what's going to happen during this tribulation period. We, we close today considering what John is telling us that's going on. Remember in the throne room. We're looking at all this bad stuff happening, but we're in the throne room. We're not experiencing these things. It's what's going on in the world. But we're there before God. Question is, is he righteous? Is he holy? Is he just? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And he wants to warn the world that this is what's coming. And so that's why we have taken the warning to heart. And we're living for him. If you've never made that commitment, today is the day of salvation. We don't know what tomorrow holds. My friend Charlie went home to be with the Lord. He left behind a huge family. Huge family. And they're all missing him greatly. But he's there celebrating before the throne. I can only imagine what that would be like. These verses give us cause for concern, but we shouldn't be concerned for ourselves. We should be concerned for others. And so the good news isn't, hey, we're going to heaven. That's not the good news. Uh, The good news is that Jesus Christ made a way for everyone to go. And so the good news for the earth is Jesus made a way. Go meet him before you leave the earth. Because after, there, there are no second chances. There is no purgatory. If any of you here are Catholic, there's no purgatory. I hate to ruin it for you. There is no purgatory because the Bible doesn't teach that at all. And I know I believed that growing up, that there was, and that was my hope. That, you know, that was my do-over. That was my second chance. I had purgatory to look forward to because I knew I wasn't getting into heaven. And there are many people that are deceived into believing that, into believing that they can be good enough to get into the presence of God. There's only one way to enter into heaven. Jesus gave us that way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Let's give them the good news. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this word. Uh, While it is troubling, while it is painful to hear what's going to happen, and we know some of the people that will be experiencing this, Lord. But Father, you love them just as much as you love us. You want them to spend eternity with you just as much as you want us there. So Lord, help us to see others through your eyes. Help us to love them the way that you love us so that we could share the hope that we have within the blessed hope that we have and that we're looking forward to. We know that you will fulfill all of your promises. And so help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live in such a way that people will get a glimpse of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.